You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It is so good to be here with you. Like Doug said, my name is Tyler, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff. And um, man, I love coming into this room, especially during the summer, and just seeing everything that's happening, the progress that's happening. Uh, we're so thankful that you've been able to be patient with us throughout the summer, but I'm so excited to be able to see the, the finished product once all this work is done. But as we get started this morning, I'd like to start by painting a picture of, of two profiles, or two distinct ways of looking at life. And what I'd like you to do is in your seat, I'd like you to imagine that we ask the person or the people who know you the best, hey, which of these categories do they most often fall in? Not all the time, but where do they most often fit in? So profile one might sound something like this. You tend to carry some stress and worry around even when there's nothing you can really do about a situation. Your first reaction to bad news tends to be getting a little worked up. You get annoyed, maybe even a little angered when things aren't going according to plan. In moments of high stress, you find yourself getting short with loved ones and the people around you. People are having to remind you consistently, hey, it's going to be okay. Just relax. Now, profile two sounds different than that. Maybe you say, okay, you're even keeled, regardless of the situation. You roll with the punches when things don't go your way. In moments of high stress, you actually are bringing the temperature down and the mood up. You are pleasant to be around in all circumstances. You're known to be patient, even sometimes to a fault, and you rarely escalate a situation. Now, regardless of where you fall in those two profiles or somewhere in between, you can see that there's a distinct difference between the two. Now, I think at the most basic level, one of those profiles, one of those ways of looking at life is marked by peace and the other isn't. And no doubt, all of us want peace in our lives. And maybe we feel a general sense of peace about some things in life, but when it comes to other areas, we tend to look a little bit more like that first picture. And many of us probably believe and trust that God wants to give us peace, He wants us to have peace, but in practice, that lasting peace seems to elude us. Like we feel peace for a season, maybe, but then when the going gets rough, it's gone. But what if... God actually wants us to have peace, not just in the big areas of life, but in all areas of life. What if the second picture that I painted is not only possible, but that's the way that God designed you and I to live? What if there was a simple and powerful daily practice that could unlock God's peace in our lives? And luckily for us, there is. It's called gratitude. Now, my guess is, for many of us, we don't give a whole lot of special attention to gratitude. Outside of Thanksgiving and some holidays and maybe praying before meals, it's just sort of something that happens in the background, right? And if we're not careful, gratitude sort of becomes an afterthought, like, oh yeah, of course I'm grateful, of course I'm supposed to give thanks. We almost view it as a given in our lives. But Scripture is going to say, gratitude is not a given, it's an essential part of every day. And I believe the reason why it's an essential part to every day is because the practice of gratitude is actually the pathway to peace in our lives. 
The practice of gratitude is the pathway to peace in our lives. We are commanded, almost more than anything else in all of Scripture, to give thanks. And if you pay really close attention, the commands in Scripture to give thanks are not commands to feel grateful. They are commands to give thanks. Because gratitude is not so much a feeling as it is a choice. To be clear, you can feel grateful But feeling grateful is not a prerequisite for showing gratitude. The psalmist in Psalm 118 is going to say it this way. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And notice there are two distinct parts to this verse. It's an acknowledgement followed by a choice. This is the day the Lord has made. It's an acknowledgement. An acknowledgement that today and everything that comes with today is the day that we've been given by God. Today is the only today that we are given. And so that means all of the good from today, it was given by God. That means all of the bad from today, it was allowed by God. But this acknowledgement is then followed by a choice. This is the day the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today's the day. This is the day God gave us, so what are we going to do with it? We can't choose the day, but we can choose how we're going to respond. Because gratitude is not so much a feeling as it is a choice. And look, God God doesn't want us to give thanks so often. He doesn't command us so often throughout Scripture to give thanks because He needs it from us, or because He's somehow nourished by it. He tells us to give thanks because the practice of gratitude in our lives is good and essential for our souls. And what's so funny to me is that, that this isn't even exclusively a Christian idea. I mean, think about it. Even our culture at large has stumbled into and discovered that daily practice of gratitude is good for human flourishing. You could Google right now, and you could find a thousand studies about the power of gratitude. But I I picked out three that I wanted to share with you. There was a study done at University of Manchester that showed those people who spent time at night practicing some habit of gratitude had a longer and better night's sleep than those who didn't. There was a study of firefighters and the stress they feel. And I imagine running into a burning building probably induces a little bit of stress. And so they, they studied these firefighters and they grouped them into two groups. One group they told to have a daily practice of gratitude. And what they found was that the firefighters who practice daily gratitude actually had lower levels of stress. And when they tracked them throughout their careers, it was linked to lower levels of burnout and lower levels of early retirement from firefighting. I love this one. A 2012 study showed that grateful people actually report less aches and pains in their body, which is how I know that I've got to get better at this because I'm 32 years old and I am constantly aching and in pain right now. You know, the world has been able to stumble across this practice, but what differentiates the gratitude of the world versus the gratitude of the follower of Jesus is that the the world's gratitude, the gratitude of the world, ends at the object of one's gratitude. Whereas the followers of Jesus, our gratitude extends beyond just the object and to the one who created it. The world's gratitude ends at the object, but our gratitude extends all the way up to the giver. And it's this type of daily gratitude 
that can be the pathway to peace in our lives. And so this morning, I want to look at how Paul describes this pathway in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible, your phone, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And something that I love about the book of Philippians is from the very beginning, you can see that Paul is practicing what he preaches. As he writes this letter, he is sitting in prison. And you can imagine the circumstances surrounding that. And yet, right off the bat, immediately after his first two verses, which are sort of his customary introduction, this is the very first thing he says in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. And you can almost imagine Paul sitting in these awful, unfair circumstances, just sort of like actively willing his mind toward the things that are going to help him practice gratitude. And so he begins his letter by saying, I thank God, but I want to focus on how he ends his letter in Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 4, it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And that word rejoice there, it means to delight or to be glad in. It's literally the idea of leaning in to the grace of God and experiencing it with a grateful heart. So he says, rejoice, lean into God. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he's trying to disassociate the idea that gratitude is a feeling that's tied to circumstances because it's not. It's a practice and a choice we make. And so he says, rejoice always, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the situations in your life, rejoice always. And I love how he says, hey, just in case you zoned out, in case you weren't listening the first time that I said it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Verse 5 says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So Paul's saying if the practice of gratitude is the pathway to peace, then there should be a gentleness and a tenderness evident to all in our lives. And it makes sense, right? Like when you and I are at peace, it's easy to be gentle and tender to everybody. But how much, how many of us are super gentle when we're worried or stressed or hurried or anxious, right? I mean, I'll be the first one to confess. If you were at the Knoxville airport last Friday morning, you saw this on full display in my life. Last week, my wife, Valerie, and my son, Nolan, were heading to Florida for our grandfather's 90th birthday, flight leaving at 6.30 in the morning. And you know, we're not trying to spend two hours in an airport with a 14-month-old, so we, we figure, okay, we'll get there an hour early. That ought to be plenty of time to catch our flight. Spoiler alert, it was not plenty of time to catch our flight. And so, as we get into the airport and we approach the security line, which if you've been there was stretched halfway down that big long ramp, we almost instantly felt the stress and the worry of that moment begin to rise. The negative talk started, the short snippy comments with one another started, and, and then we get up to the actual security part and the line splits off into two directions. And I wanted to go one direction, Valerie wanted to go the other direction, and guess whose direction we chose? Valerie's. And guess who picked wrong? Wasn't me. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, as this is happening, 
They're calling our names over the intercom. They're saying, final boarding call for Valerie, Tyler, Nolan, Bobin. Report to the gate immediately. And we're sitting there in the line, just embarrassed and stressed and angry. And we make it to the end of the security line. And we can see the gate. But then the TSA agent says, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have to check your diaper bag because there's food for Nolan in it. And, and so I look at her and I said, hey, I just want to leave the food. We need to go catch our plane. And she said, well, sir, you can't. You can't leave your property at the TSA. And I said, okay, uh, can you give me the food and I'll throw it away right here so we can go make our flight? And she says, well, I can't give it to you without checking the food first. And so I say, uh, like, we, we go back and forth. And finally, I just sort of snap her. I said, look, throw the food away. We are going to our gate. And I grabbed my family and we just started heading out. And it ended up being for nothing because we did miss the flight that day. <laughs> but more importantly than that, my gentleness was not clearly on display for all to see that day. So TSA agent, if you are here today, if you are watching online, please come introduce yourself. We'd love to grab a meal with you after this to make it up for you. But there's a peace, right, that's supposed to come with gratitude. And Paul expands on this. He says, in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Don't be anxious about anything. And without us having the time to get into a full-fledged conversation about the complexities of anxiety, Paul just makes it clear that anxiety is never what God prescribes for us. That does not mean that anxiety does not happen. It does not mean that things can't be weighty in life, that we can't have an urgency about things or give due care and attention to the things that we need to, but it does mean that the stress and the worry that we so often find ourselves caught up in and the control that we try to exert on the world around us is not how God designed us to live. So he says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving let your request be known to god be anxious about no thing and in everything let your request be known to god in everything meaning in the good and the bad in the big and the small the silly and the serious in traffic or at the dmv at the dinner table or at the conference table at the birthday party or at the funeral at the tennis court or the pickleball court with the mechanic the doctor the lawyer the guidance counselor the cashier and yes even the tsa agent in everything with everyone in all situations god invites us to come to him and to talk to him but don't miss what he says with thanks giving, meaning that in all situations, it is good to go to God starting from a place of gratitude. And if you don't believe me, next time you're angry, next time you're upset, start praying to God starting with gratitude and see if that doesn't shift the whole mood of your prayer right off the bat. With gratitude, it says, we go to him and we let our requests be made known to him. That verb that Paul uses there, it's actually really interesting. In the original language, that's not an active verb, it's a passive verb. So it's less the idea of like you making your checklist for God and giving it to him. And it's more the idea that the worry and the stress that we feel, it wants to find a way out. 
It wants to bubble up to the surface, and we simply release it and let it bubble up and out to God. 1 Peter 5.17 will say it this way, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think there's probably somebody in here today who needs to hear that, that God cares for you, that he is for you, that he is on your side, and he has created a natural order and a mechanism to allow the things that are weighing you down and stressing you out and making you worry to bubble up to the surface and to be cast upon him because he cares for you and because he can handle it. As Paul continues, here it is. Here's the crescendo of what he is saying here in verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As Paul finishes outlining, he he basically describes this exchange that happens. That when we, in gratitude, lean into God's grace and go to God and cast our worries and our cares on him, he gives to us his peace. A peace that, by human standards, makes no logical sense. A peace that guards our hearts and our minds. And what makes this peace even possible in the first place? Paul says it, the last three words in that verse, in Christ Jesus. Because the truth is that we can have peace because Jesus made peace with us. That there was a time in every single one of our lives that our souls rebelled against God and his design for our life, but Christ stepped in on your behalf and my behalf to make peace between us and God. And that even though we deserve nothing but separation, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become his righteousness. And he made peace between us and God when he died on the cross, and that peace was made final and eternal when three days later he rose back to life. And there is only one right response to what he has done. Because there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can add to it. There's nothing we can do to make it better. Gratitude is the only response to what he has done. In gratitude, we turn to him and we simply begin to trust. And when we do, we usher in a peace into our lives that goes beyond all human understanding. And it makes peace every day, in every situation, in all circumstances possible. Gratitude is the pathway to peace because gratitude leads to Jesus. Paul will conclude it like this in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you should think about these things. Other versions will say, fix your mind on these things. And I think that's exactly what Paul did. As he was sitting in prison, he fixed his mind on the things that would help index his heart toward gratitude. Beyond just the object, but gratitude all the way to the giver. And last week, as we were sitting in that airport on Friday after missing our flight, 
we were stressed and annoyed and worried and agitated, and, and I was there replaying all the things in my head that I wish I could change, but I can't. Well, we should have gotten here earlier, should have run faster, should have chosen a different line. And we were stressing about the things that we had no control over. Like, how are we going to take care of Nolan until our next flight in the evening? How expensive is this going to get? What happens if the flight gets delayed or canceled? And as I was sitting there in this worry, in this stress, in the midst of all that, Valerie and I look down, something catches our eye, and we see this. <laughs> That's Nolan climbing in and out, in and out, in and out of the bag size checker thing over and over and over and over and over, looking up at us, smiling, not worried or stressed in the slightest, but his soul is at peace in the moment. I love that picture. Because it was a moment for me, like Paul would describe, that was lovely and pure and excellent and admirable and praiseworthy. And when I didn't know what else to do in that moment, I just started thanking God for such an incredible little boy and for such a sweet family and for such an awesome moment that we were getting to witness. And I could feel the stress and the worry begin to bubble up and out. And for the first time that day, I could breathe. I said, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. Yeah, this isn't fun, but it could be a lot worse. And let me be clear, my circumstances did not influence that. In fact, my circumstances didn't get any better, they only got worse. We still missed the flight, we had to go buy a new car seat, we drove three hours to Nashville to catch, catch the next flight, that flight got delayed by two hours, and at eight o'clock at night when we finally stepped foot on that plane, the air condition had been broken, and it was close to 90 degrees. But it was okay. <laughs> it really was. Because our souls in that moment were at peace. And I look back on that, and I wouldn't trade it, because I'll be honest, that was one of my favorite days being a dad. The practice of daily gratitude is the pathway to peace. So what would it look like for us collectively to put some practices in place in our life of gratitude? Paul says it this way in verse 9, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying this is not just a thought experiment. This isn't just a positive way of thinking. This isn't just something to contemplate. There, there is an art and a skill and a practice to it, so put it into practice. So what are some of the things we can do to practice daily gratitude? Well tried to come up with just a few thoughts on the matter, and I'll be honest with you, some of these things I'm pretty good at, some of them I am absolutely terrible at, but maybe something that I'm not good at, something that doesn't work for me might work for you. So what are some ways we can practice gratitude? Here's a few thoughts. Number one, start the day right. You may not have control of anything that happens to you in your day, except for the moment your eyes wake up, when you're in that comfy bed laying on that comfy pillow, you have that moment. You have control of that. So before you even leave the bed, start the day by giving thanks, because you might not have control of anything else that day. 
The next one would be this, go for a walk. When Jesus spoke on the topic in Matthew chapter 6, one of the things he prescribed for anxiety was going outside and going for a walk. He said, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Creation is one of those things that God's given us to index our hearts toward gratitude. The next one would be this, write it down. I don't have to tell you, but memory and retention go way up when you write things down. So grab a journal, grab a piece of paper, write something down. I'm terrible at this. I've got this little journal on my bedside table that I hardly ever write in, but I can look in it, and there's a few days worth of things where I've written it down, and I can look back and be grateful for those days. Next one is this, regroup at the transitions of your life. If stress and worry and anxiety dominate you in one area, use the transition to the next area to regroup. Don't let it carry into the next area of your life. As you're walking from the car into the office, stop long enough to give thanks and regroup. When you're between phone calls on a busy day, stop long enough to give thanks and regroup. On your drive home, use it as a time to regroup. I'll sit in my driveway sometimes for a minute, sometimes for 30 minutes until I'm ready to go inside because I'm not willing to bring stress and worry and anxiety into my house. Finally is this, say thanks when you don't want to. Say thanks when you don't want to. One of the most powerful ways that you can form a habit is even when you don't want to, in the middle of those situations where peace is eluding you, say thank you anyway. And see as your brain begins to rewire itself to where your gratitude isn't tied to circumstances, but it's a choice that you make. Paul summed it all up, his theology on the topic all up in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He said, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says, always, continually, all circumstances, meaning there is never a moment where gratitude is not the right response and the right thing to do. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Paul takes it a step further and says, this is God's will for your life. So often we get caught up in, where does God want me to move? What does God want me to do? Uh, who does God want me to marry? How am I going to be parent? All these things, and we ignore the things that God has made plain to us. This is God's will for you and for me in Christ Jesus, because gratitude is the pathway to peace. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you are a moment and an open heart away from experiencing the peace that God designed for your life that transcends all understanding. And it starts from a place of gratitude, just understanding what Jesus has done for you and then responding by putting your faith in him. And if that's you this morning, I wanna encourage you, don't leave this room without pursuing the peace that God wants for you. We'll have people over in our Next Steps area who would love to talk with you about this. But as we pray together, God, I thank you for today. This is the day, God, that you have made. So let's make a choice. Let's make a choice to simply rejoice and be glad in it. And God, I know that so many of us carry anxiety and stress, worry all around with us. 
But God, I pray in this moment, at least this moment, we would allow those things to bubble up, that we would find in our heart a way to give you praise and gratitude for all you've done, and that, God, you would replace all of those things with a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, allow us to fix our minds on the things that are praiseworthy and excellent and admirable so that we would constantly, every day, give thanks to you for what you've done. God, thank you for your son Jesus and the pathway to peace he created for us through the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.